Hello, everyone, and welcome to the North American Irish Coaches Show. Tonight, we have Gareth O'Sullivan on the show. Uh, Gareth is originally from Ballina in County Mayo and uh, has been around the game in, in a wide variety uh, of positions throughout his career and also known to many Irish folk over here as Sully. So, Sully, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. Uh, delighted to be on, and uh, Dara, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, uh, Sully is definitely uh, probably more prevalent <laughs> in the inner circles anyway. That's for sure. So, Sully, tell us, um, tell us again where you're from and about your life growing up um, to now. Like, you know, how did you get to where you are and where you're from and where did you play in Ireland and all that? So, uh, yeah, you were correct. I'm from Ballina, County Mayo. Uh, grew up there, played for Ballina Town all my, uh, my younger life. Um, ended up uh, getting a you know, college scholarship at the age of, I guess, 18 slash 19 and, and coming over to the States that side. Um, but, you know, basically Ballina Town was the, uh, the one stable club in my life. I ended up playing for County Mayo. And then uh, got some trials with Ireland, you know, U15 and stuff. But I mean, you know, west of Ireland, kicked the cheap off the field before practice, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, um, but uh, definitely Ballinat Town was, uh, was where I grew up. And uh, Sully, how did, you, how did you come across to America? How, how did that journey come about? Um, there was a gentleman by the name of Johnny Cook who I think you've met, Enda. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, Johnny's a coach now with the Lobos in, uh, in, in Cairoville. But uh, Johnny, uh, his brother was a doctor in Memphis, and he had come across to visit his brother and ended up impressing on a, on a, on a training session and getting a, a scholarship at the University of Memphis, or Memphis State at the time. And he was from Ballinan, came back one Christmas and watched me play a couple of games and then you know, said, would I be interested in coming to Memphis? So he called the coach up and then the coach and I and my dad, or really my coach, the coach of my dad, Chris Bartels, uh, started having you know, discussions about the level of scholarship and everything and uh, got offered a scholarship to come to Memphis in 1989. So uh, came, over, came over then. I, I had another option with uh, La Salle University in Philadelphia. There was a, a young man by the name of Chip Greenberg who was um, playing professional basketball in Ireland. And Chip had also talked to me about potentially coming to the States. Um, but, you know, having a, a Ballina man in Memphis was, was key for me and for the family to, to come on over and feel like, you know, we got someone, you know, over there. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like there were cell phones back then, you know. So uh, that was key to, to me coming to the University of Memphis. And, and quite a few Ballina fellas floating about Memphis still over here. So... It's, it's nice to have a few people from, from home, for sure. So, Sully, what, what are your best memories of playing college soccer? Think back to arriving <clears> in Memphis, your four years playing. What, what are some of your best memories of playing college soccer? I mean, I, 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 you know, it's, it's quite funny because when I came in, I was about two and a half weeks late. There was issues with my visa my freshman year. So I arrived in right at the end of August. So the, the lads have been killing themselves in preseason in the 100-degree heat and first road trip comes up and, and I, I got one practice. Johnny Cook picked me up at the airport. I ended up, you know, going for dinner and spending the night with him and we had a few beers and then another few beers. And by the time I got to practice the next day between the jet lag and the heat and uh, the carbohydrates after 10 o'clock, 
the, the next training session, let's just say my first training session in Memphis wasn't stellar. And um, somehow I made the travel roster, which, you know, I think it was a dozen lads left behind. So that's really a key memory for me because I remember so many guys were mad at me because I, A, missed preseason, B, looked like shit, to be honest, at the first training session. And C made the made the first travel team. So uh, we went up to uh, play uh, Bradley in Peoria, Illinois, and then we went on to play DePaul on the Sunday. But uh, fortunately, I came off the bench in the in the first game and got us the equaliser, and you know the rest is history. But uh, and that that's a good memory. Um, St. Louis were our big rivals back then. They were always number one or two in the nation. Brian McBride uh, was kind of their, their talisman up front. I was always second in scoring uh, to him in the conference, but it was, you know, I didn't know he was going to go on to play for Fulham and, you know, make a really big name for himself. But playing St. Louis in St. Louis at, at their facility, and they always had a packed house. They'd have thousands at the matches. That was always a lot of fun. Um, and then I think my senior year, we ended up tying 1-1 up there, which, uh, you know, ended... Uh, Ended a drought of, of losses against him in my first three years, but it was it was really um, you know fun playing in that kind of environment, yeah, especially coming from the west of Ireland where you were lucky because a you know 100, 100 people a match, you know. But there's some good memories uh, from, from from college. Um, I would say one other thing, like one of the things that I can take from my college, some of the friends I've made. I mean, fantastic. I mean, I'm still in touch with them to this day. And there's, you know, there's a half a dozen to a dozen lads that, you know, uh, I, I really feel close with uh, from, from the four years at, at Memphis, you know. And even the Memphis, you know, former alums and, and, and even players that came after me, there's still a connection. So uh, really feel that was a, a really fond memory from my, from my years of playing as well. Yeah, I think that's kind of what kind of sums up the memories is the people you do it with and still being in contact with them. It's... It's great to kind of have. Um, how, how how did you then get into coaching, Sully? Like, how did how did that erupt, or how? Yeah, uh, so um, my my senior year, I was graduating in December, so I got out in three and a half, um, and I, I was graduating in December, and we played my last regular home game was against Centenary College, um, at at Eccles Field, and the coach for Centenary was looking for a GA, and after the match. I guess he talked to Chris Bartels, my coach, and, and, and kind of shared with him he was looking for a GA. And then Chris contacted me a couple of weeks later and said, hey, you know, are you interested? And I, you know, I said, honestly, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested because I wanted to stay in the States. You know, yeah. I did not want to go back to Ireland. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, you know, you know I've got my OPT, but, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever. Uh, so doing a master's would basically extend my visa by another couple of years and, I thought that was, you know, going to be a good option for me. So that's I got into coaching just to stay in America, to be honest, and then really loved it and got a passion for it and and kind of said, this is what I want to do. I always thought I was going to work for FedEx or something, to be honest. Uh, growing up in Memphis, I did an international business degree, and I never thought I'd get into coaching. And I got in by by kind of by by luck, and um, but then really loved it once I was in. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh... That's the story of so many, though. I mean, you know, it's like all of us. You come over, you're looking for that next uh, next step in the grad assistant to get that extension on the visa. But so you got the you got uh, your master's. So where where did you do your master's at? 
I never finished my master's, actually. I did 30 hours of my master's. Uh, I had six to do in uh, centenary in, in Louisiana. Yeah. And then uh, uh, I ended up going into full-time teaching down there at a, at a, a magnet high school. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's, it's still one of my regrets that I never finished it up. But, um, you know, when I went from, you know, very getting a stipend of like 3000 to suddenly making full-time wage of 23000 um, yeah. it was something I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. So I ended up coaching high school and uh, did that. Um, and then I moved back to Europe a year later to pursue the professional dream, you know. So you get into the GA, you're coaching, you go into the high school level and then, you know, coaching, obviously we all want to win. Right. And, um, but not many coaches get to win a national title. Let's, let's be honest. And I don't know how many coaches from Ireland have won national titles in, in America. You might know that stat, but tell us about winning the national championship here at CBU. And, you know, you had some phenomenal talent on that group. Just talk us through that. Like, obviously, you know, what was that like? Um, yeah, we had we had some tremendous talent. I mean, I think to talk about winning the title in 2002, um, I'd have to take you back to 2001 when we lost the national final. And that was our first loss of the year. We were 25-0 and 0 playing the national final. And we were the favourites, to be honest. I mean, uh, we, we, we walked our way to the final, if I'm, if I'm honest. And uh, to, to this day, I always remember looking at the stats. We had 22 shots to their nine and managed to lose 2-0. Um, and uh, we were definitely the better team on the day. But, you know, that's, that's a mistake I made as a coach. I remember at halftime, instead of – we're playing at the University of San Diego in, in California, and they must have had about 3,000 fraternity boys on the sideline. It was their home field, and they were, had rosters, and they were just abusing our girls – and it was fantastic. I thought the atmosphere was brilliant, but um, we didn't, you know, we didn't get it done close to what we were capable of. And I remember at halftime, I got so mad at the girls, and I should have just, you know, I should have, I should have been a coach that understood the the surroundings and 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 you know approached it different because I got very mad at them and said, hey, you know, you're 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 underperforming. That's a nice way of putting it. What I probably said, but. Um, at the uh, you know 30 seconds into the second, it was only nil all at halftime. 30 seconds in, you know we're we're goal down, and then we made another mistake. And I, I always remember a year later when at halftime we were we were tied again. I didn't make the same mistake. Um, I was very positive, and I was I was very hey let's go out there and get it done. So a year later, we're playing um, University of Omaha, Nebraska in Virginia Beach in the final, and it was level at halftime, and then we. We hadn't played well, but I knew there was so much more in us. And uh, my, 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 my charge to the girls were, hey, that's the best they can play, and this is more close to what we can do, and let's go out there. And, and it was very positive. And, and I think the experience from the year before helped us to, to go out there and get the results. Um, and it's funny, uh, Jerry Cleary, who was the former assistant, you know, about halfway through the second half, Jerry, you know, turned to me and said, hey, what about this? And, um, you know, basically flip-flopping two players and uh, thought about it for about a minute. And I said, that's a great idea. And we did it. And literally two minutes later, those two players combined and scored. So, you know, um, fair play to, to Jerry's idea because it, it definitely you know, led us to getting the, the winning goal. So, um, 
you know, that winning a national title, it's down to recruiting, to be honest. I mean, uh, I, I recruited and recruited and recruited, and that team we had, I mean, we were beating Division One teams in the spring for fun. Um, we had girls from Sweden, Norway, Japan, um, Ireland. We had girls from everywhere. Um, you know, 2001, you know, we, it, it, it honestly, it, it, was a, it was a team that was put together through a lot of hard work recruiting. But they were fantastic footballers. I mean, they really were. And, uh, you know, to go, I think, 25 and 1, you know, in 2001, and I think it was 22 and 1 in the year we won it. Um, and we picked up an early season loss, which probably helped us win it that year because it allowed us to refocus and, 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 and to really go, hey, you know, maybe you're not as good as you think you are. And let's, let's, let's you know, reset here and get ready for, you know, a run at this. Let's do it right. For sure. Um, I, I, we talked earlier on about um, it's not easy winning a national title. And you talked about Jerry Cleary. He, he, did one, he won one as well, I think, uh, at the NAIA level. Um, so I think he has, uh, yeah. He has won he's one. He's won a couple. Yeah, a couple. So, uh, yeah, like I said, there's not many Irish people, you know, men or women that have won national titles as a coach. Uh, so, but just when you brought up Jerry there, I, kn I knew he had won at Barton Methodist. So, I mean, that must have been quite an honour for you back in the day to, you know, to represent, you know, Mayo and Ireland and, and uh, be on the national stage for sure, right? Yeah, and honestly, you don't you don't think about it till it's till it's it's done, you know. When you're like, wow, because it, it, you know you're you're in a select group once you actually do win it. And I remember when we lost the final in San Diego, the coach from San Diego uh, came up to me and says, "Hey, you're, you you guys are going to win it next year for sure. I mean, you've got because your squad coming back, you'll be fine." And um, you know, to be honest, uh, you never really think about, "Hey, you've won a national title," until you know it all sinks in after few days after you actually won the match and you need a bit of luck along the way I mean I remember when we played the semi-final in Virginia Beach um there was a potential handball we I mean we battered Metro State in the semi-final but in overtime we finally beat them but I mean at one point our, our center back Veronica who was fantastic a sweeper from Sweden it hit her arm and they could have maybe given him a penalty um, so we got, we rode our luck. And I talked to the referee later on in the hotel and she said, look, I couldn't have given a penalty against you guys. You just, they hadn't even been in your half for the 90 minutes. So, um, we were lucky, you know, but, but, you know, you earn your, your, you earn the bit of luck, you know, but, I mean, that team was a special team. We had the best girls from Memphis. We had, you know, the, some really fabulous foreigners and, and everyone gelled together really well. And the whole community at CBU was very invested in that team from, from the, the Dean of Academic Services to the athletic director to the press. I mean, everyone was very much engaged in that team. And, and we were very fortunate. Um, even, you know, our vice president for finance, I mean, I remember Nick Scully, you know, helping uh, Mike Douch, our AD at the time, helping me with the budget to go out and get the players. Let's go win this. Yeah. You know, so um, unless everyone buys into it, you, you really... It's tough to, to do something like that unless you have the whole campus to support. And so you went from, from winning national championships at CBU um, to coaching professionally in, in Iceland. How, how did that come about? Um, well, uh, my, my, my wife, Anna, is from Iceland, and she basically said, if you want to keep the relationship, 
go on, you got to move to Iceland. <laughs> so <laughs> off I went to Iceland. Um, at the time I was coaching uh, the Memphis Mojo, which was um, a startup professional indoor men's team. Um, and to be honest, um, that kind of went debunked about six months in. So the timing to move to Iceland um, worked out well. So I moved over there with, uh, obviously I'd been there before, but coaching in Iceland and coaching in the States is very, very different. Um, I remember uh, when I signed a contract with, with the team, uh, my first team, it was um, uh, the chairman came up and he gave me like, you know, uh, thermal underwear, full set of body thermal underwear. It was a Michelin man suit, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, the facilities in Iceland are tremendous, but it is bloody cold. And, uh, you know, you, you really have to do your, your session planning and you do your, your meeting with the players prior and you let them know you're going to, you know, what you're going to do for the next 75 minutes so that you're, you're not really standing around talking to them too much, especially in the winter months, because it is it's very cold. And um, so I moved to Iceland. I was coaching uh, uh, after Elding. At the time, we were in the first division, not the Premier League. And um, I managed to, to get the girls promoted um, our first year into the Premier League. Um, I was able to bring in some really good American girls and uh, that really helped us with the young Icelandic girls. We had a very young team. So I was able to bring in three Americans. I think I brought in Kirsty Marr as well from formerly University of Memphis, Scottish girl, which didn't count against the international allotment numbers. So we were able to get promoted that first year. And then, uh, you know, the second year, normally everyone goes straight back down. Uh, but we managed to finish, I think, you know, fifth or sixth in the table. And uh, following year, then I, I got recruited by one of the top clubs over there um, to, to coach uh, KOR. Um, then the collapse happened in Iceland, which um, no one saw coming, but uh, it hit there pretty hard. Uh, you probably remember the, the owners of West Ham were an Icelandic bank, Eastlands Banky, and uh, they went bankrupt. And, you know, um, I, I remember all my players that were on contracts were being released um, by, the, by the chairman to go play in Norway, Denmark, Sweden, because they were going to give them the money. They, we, we couldn't afford to continue to pay them what we were paying them. So, um, you know, Iceland was fantastic. Uh, it ended um, right at the time when the, the, the financial collapse happened. Um, but also very fortunate for me was the Atlanta Beat, um, which was uh, in the WPSL or WPS, um, offered me an opportunity to come interview for the Atlanta Beat job. So that kind of, you know, the timing of that worked out exceptionally well for, for, for me and the family. And, and to talk about this, this experience in Iceland, um, what were your takeaways as a coach? Like, like, how was the experience? You're talking about the facilities are a little bit maybe better than what you're used to at the college and this and that. But as a coach, what were your takeaways either personally or what, what did you learn about yourself? You know, one, one thing that, that you, you don't – like, it, I learned that I have an ability to adapt to, to different environments, and I think that's key for any coach is to go in and go, you know what, it's not what I'm used to. And maybe it's better than what I'm used to, but, um, you know, I've got to be able to adapt to how things are done here. And uh, in Iceland, there might be three feet of snow, but all the, all the fields have under soil heating. You're training. There's, there, the yeah. training's not getting canceled unless it's maybe minus 25. So you, you've got to be prepared 
And I think that's one of the things that maybe you've seen Iceland excel at the national team level on the women and men's side recently. I mean, these are, these are tough players. There's no nonsense. You know, they're out there in minus 15, minus 10, and they're getting it done. And, and uh, I think the, the, the harsh weather really does stand to them. Now, from, um, I mentioned the facilities earlier, they have, you know, for a country with 320,000 people, they have phenomenal facilities. Um, you know, three or four full, you know, full, um, you know, full field indoor facilities, which, you know, I think, you know, for a population of that amount, you're looking at maybe Cork, you know, um, they've got, you know, tremendous facilities. So from that point of view, I, I think the, the Kawasi, which is the, the Icelandic ruling uh, federation, they've done a great job of plugging money back into their grassroots level and their, their facilities. Um, so I really enjoyed my time over there. I really did. Um, it, it was really interesting because you were, you were on social media, you were on the news, you were on, even though maybe, you know, on the girls' side of things, you may maybe only had a three, 400 at a game, but you, you, you know, you were given a, the same amount of, of uh, press as the men's side of things. So it was really interesting from that point of view. And it was, it was, um, I, I'd never did so many interviews until I moved to Iceland. It was, it was really nice. Sully, any uh, what's your best memory from Iceland? Any any good uh, any you know fun fun trips, fun stories? Any good memories from from the times in Iceland? I mean, like honestly, to, to be honest, the best is probably getting getting after Elding promoted, and we flew up to to Husavik to play in the playoffs. So basically, if you come second in the first division, and we came second, uh, Vikinger, another Irishman coach there, there John Andrews is over there right now. But, they ended up winning the first division. We came second. And uh, so that meant we had to play off against second bottom team in the Premier League. So the bottom team went down. The first team in the first division went up. And then the second from bottom and the second from top had a playoff home and away. So, um, you know, going flying up there to play those guys, play who's big and winning that match and coming back to the small regional airport with, you know, a huge welcoming party for us with, Roses for all the girls and TV and it was really really fun. Considering you know this is a first division women's game in Iceland, you know not not even the Premier League. So, but the fact that the, the whole community of After Elling had, had kind of gotten behind it, it was it was really fun. That's it. That was a great memory. Fantastic. Um, so then you talk about coming back to the states. So Atlanta beat another professional stop. Uh, tell us what was that like. Um, and what was the experience like in Atlanta? Yeah, I was very fortunate. I mean, Rob King, who, who is a college coach and good friend of mine, he was uh, involved with the, with the franchise uh, for the Atlanta Beat and, and, and basically said, asked me if I was interested in coming back and getting, you know, interviewing for the position. And, and I, I did. And I think it was Randy Waldrop and myself um, were the final two. And, I think Randy probably asked for too much money. That's probably why they gave it to me. But um, it was certainly, um, it was a great, great opportunity for me. Um, I'd never been involved in, you know, kind of the the draft process, which, you know, you've got the international draft, you've got the college draft, you've got expansion team draft, where you get to pick players from other other clubs. So basically I spent the first nine months watching all the other teams in the league 
traveling around the world. I was in Finland. I was in Brazil. I mean, I was all over the place looking at potential players that we would, we would, we would sign. And uh, it was also in Philadelphia with the two expansion teams. So we got, we got to pick, you know, in turn, you know, players from, from the existing clubs that, you know, that weren't protected. Um, so that was, that was very new to me. Um, but it was also a way that you were able to build 60, 70% of your roster from players that were already, you know, in the league and from international players that you, you know, you had scouted. So, uh, that was a lot of fun and um, it was tough. I knew there was no, I was under no illusions. I signed a three-year contract and I was let go, uh, two years in, um, and I was the, there was seven coaches in the league. I was the fifth coach let go that season. So um, it, it was just kind of crazy. It was, you know, if you didn't win enough, you were you were out, and and you know, that's the kind of the way it was at the time. Um, but it was it was a tremendous experience, and you know, some fabulous players that I had an opportunity to work with. Um, that was a lot of fun. Sully, it's it seems like um, during your time as a coach, you were a big mentor to to a lot of people. Um, how have you helped um, assistants that you've had move on and who are they and what type of relationship do you have with them now? I mean, um, you know, being a mentor is, is, you know, you never really think of it sometimes at the time until people talk to you later on in life and, and, and you know, tell you that you were. Um, yeah. so I've probably had like a dozen assistants that are now or have been head coaches or moved on to, to, to better and better themselves in life. And, and you mentioned Jerry earlier there and uh, who's, who's, who went on to win multiple national titles. Um, Mags went on, uh, play, uh, you know, to be a head coach up in uh, Ohio. Um, John Andrews I brought to Iceland. He's a head coach now. Um, uh, Marissa, who is my assistant at uh, University of West Georgia, she went on to, to be a head coach. Uh, Obviously, Mark, he's the head coach of Young Harris, and there's Clint, and Clint was an assistant. Kieran was an assistant at CBU. I mean, there's just, just uh, a good few of them, you know, Matt Carr, Fergal Ford, Clayton, and at, at Lincoln Memorial. So I've been very fortunate, and, and I've been very – I always spend a lot of time on recruiting, and I always spend a lot of time on my assistants. Um, Juho is another one who's doing fabulous in, 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 uh, in, in Finland. Mike Lynch, who went on to work for Atlanta United. I mean, there's, there's a good few. But, um, you know, I, I was very – I spent a lot of time making sure that I surround myself with good people. And I alluded to Jerry making a coaching suggestion to me in a national final. And there's no point having assistance if you're not going to listen to them. And, um, and it may be a different opinion than my own even, but I think it's important to surround yourself with good people. And I've always spent a lot of, you know, a lot of my time making sure that, you know, I got really good assistant coaches. And because if you've got good assistant coaches, they'll challenge you, they'll help you bring the program forward. And, uh, you know, I, w I was very fortunate to work with a lot, a lot of good people. And, uh, you know, uh, from a mentor point of view, I mean, obviously, um, I don't know where they would consider me along those lines. Um, I got into coaching kind of by chance, but um, I've always, you know, looked at, you know, some of the, you know, as a Man United fan, I will always try to think, you know, I'm going to treat people like Sir Alex and things like that. And I see all they trying to do that now and no one can, no one, no one can do that, you know. 
Um, I do remember I spent, um, after I got let go by the Atlanta Peace, um, and I was on gardening leave basically for you know the guts of the year, which was fantastic for uh, for me and the family. The family and I, you know, at least we we, we knew we had a bit of security while we tried to find the next job. But I spent a week in um, in uh, Wolfsburg with Steve McLaren when he was the head coach there, and I went over and Pierre Lombarski was the assistant coach. So I spent a week um, basically shadowing those guys for you know every training session. Um, the GM of Wilsburg, his wife played for me at the Atlanta Beach, uh, Shelly Thompson. So, um, you know, I, it was a good connection. And, you know, he said, hey, come on over. And, and Stephen McLaren was nothing but courteous to me and, and then basically allowed me to, you know, you know, ask questions and do everything. So I was, I was basically an extension of the coaching staff for a week, which was fantastic. Gareth, you've kind of mentioned there how, how good it is. And, and it's probably the reason why you end up winning is surrounding yourself with good people and good recruits. What type of characteristics do you look in for uh, young coaches to say, look, at, I'm going to take him under my belt and kind of say, look, at, I'd be interested in helping him out. And what type of character, top three characteristics you look for in a person to kind of do so? I think anyone would say this now, but I mean, you just, you've got to be honest and, and just don't try and bluff your way into any situation um, you know I think I could I could probably see through most people and I just want people to, to you know to be honest about you know their strengths or weaknesses um, and then the second thing is is work ethic you know I, I think um, you know some of the people I've just mentioned to you as former assistants the reason they're successful is their work ethic you know I mean they obviously have taken little bits on board for maybe you know their time with me but They've gone on to do their own thing and, and then be very successful. Um, and I think, you know, from, from that point of view, um, you've just got to have a work ethic or you're not going to make it as a coach. I mean, when I first started in the recruiting game, it was, you know, I really went international early and I was one of the few. But now everyone knows about everybody. Like, there was no social media back then. There was no you know, the internet was very limited from a, from a uh, recruiting tool. So from our point of view, you know, getting out and, you know, running around Finland or Norway or Sweden or Iceland looking for players or, or Ireland on a cold, wet day, I was prepared to do that. And this is before I had any kids or, you know, that, you know, it, it's a different game now. And so you, you know, if I'm a head coach now at a university, I'm, I want, to be a coach. Ollie, we Wait, missed, that, missed that last part there. Sorry, you, you said about uh, going around Iceland, obviously, uh, you know. Yeah, so I, what I was saying, sorry, I, I think we got um, we, we got frozen there, but um, what I was saying is from a recruiting point of view, you know, if you're going to commit to building a team, whether that's traveling the States, traveling Norway, Sweden, Iceland, Ireland on a, on a, on a rough day, if, if you know, if I don't have the, the bandwidth to do it now, I would want to have quality assistants that are able to do that. And they've got to have a work ethic. You know, I don't want them, you know, flying to, to Norway, 
and spending, you know, the night on the beer and missing the game at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. or whatever it is, you've got to trust that they're going to be doing it. So um, that would be the second thing was, you know, what, what I was saying about be yourself, have the work ethic, and then have a passion for the game and, and not just be a coach because you want to be a coach. You, you have to have passion. There's a lot of better paying professions than being a soccer coach in the States. And I wish um, at times when I see, you know, some of the salaries of some of my friends and stuff, I'm like, man, I should have gone into sales 20 years ago and not, you know, gone this direction. But, you know, it brought me, it brought me a lot of, a lot of uh, good times. So I'm, I'm glad I, I, I decided to go into coaching, but um, there's definitely better paying professions out there. And uh, unless you have the passion for this job, um, you know, I, I, I don't think you're, 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 you've got the characteristics that I would want when I'm looking to hire someone. Absolutely. That's true, true words. So, Sully, who are the, some of the best players uh, you've coached? And then who are the, some of the best players and managers you've coached against? Okay, well, um, on the coaching side of things, I mean, uh, with, on, on the women's side, obviously that national championship team at CBU was fantastic. Um, I hate to, to single out, you know, anyone. I mean, yeah. you know, if you look at Mags and Missy, their numbers alone, you know, were, were phenomenal. Uh, the, the Rasks and, and Arna from um, from Norway and, and Lauren Carpenter and, you know, the, the, the Germantown girls, everyone, you know, everyone played their role, Pippi and Goal. Um, on, the, on the professional side of things, um, you know, had hopes following Goal. So, um, you know, it's tough to beat that. Uh, what a trainer. Probably, you know, probably the best female keeper of all time. Um, Tobin Heath was my first round draft pick. What a player. I mean, the stuff she could do with the ball was, was phenomenal. I am Miami, who was a captain of Japan. Had Johanna Rasmussen from the captain of Denmark. Phenomenal players. Um, so I was very fortunate on that side of things. Ramona Bachman from, Sweet, uh, from Switzerland. I was very fortunate on the women's side to 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 been involved with those type of players. On the men's side, um, I have to say the 2001 men's CBU team was was phenomenal. Um, I think 2000 we went to the the NCAA's. 2001 we were better. We just we 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 lost to uh, to Tampa, and only two teams were going back then. And um, Tampa ended up winning it. And beating SIU Edwardsville, who we beat, I think, 5-1. We lost to Tampa in overtime in a game, really, that we were leading with 20 seconds to go. So I, I think um, that 2001 men's team was, was very special as well. And there's too many of them you know, to mention, but you know, Marky was on there. Uh, Barry Gibney was on there. Chad Evans from Louisiana was on there. J.K. Cock can go. We had a great We had a great team. David Lair. I mean, I, there's so many of them. Jimmy Drain. Another, another, you know, uh, local lad that, that did a great job for it. So, I mean, we, we had a, a very special team in 2002. We just, we just didn't get it done. I'm sorry, 2001. Sully, what, what advice would you then have for young Irish girls and boys kind of looking at the college route and coming across? Um, how, how, how would you describe it or what would advice would you give to them? Sorry, Dara. I just just heard you saying what advice would I have for for young Irish coaches coming to the states, or yeah, between 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 them looking at that option as well as young boys and girls, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, looking at the college route about coming over um, to come play. 
Yeah, I think honestly, um, I, I don't, I don't think anyone can go wrong by, by, you know, I think, you know, anyone who chooses to come to the States and do the college route, obviously, um, having done it myself and, and been part of, you know, uh, one of Irish coming over, I, I, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for, for someone, um, everyone's frozen right now, so I'm not sure if you guys can hear me. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah, keep going. Okay. Um, um, I think it's an, op an opportunity that, you know, for an Irish boy or girl to come over, I think it's tremendous. You get your four-year education. I think there's a, what, a very tiny percentage of professional players, you know, that, that make it as professionals. And then there's a smaller percentage of those that make it that are actually, you know, able to have the longevity to, to, to set themselves up for life. So if you can come over here and get a degree and put that in your back pocket and, and still pursue the playing career and still pursue the professional career, but at least have that in your back pocket and maybe open some doors on the coaching side of things as well. Cause I, I see a lot of Irish, English and Scottish lads just trying to get into the coaching side of things. And I think it's because it just, you know, um, it's in their blood, you know, and, and I, I think they come over here and they, they have a good college experience. And then they say, you know, I, I, I want to be, I want to be a head coach. Um, so I, I definitely think from that point of view, you know, the best way to maybe get a position as a coach over here is to, to have actually played over here and made some connections and, and, and have your head coach vouch for you when you get that first GA position. Um, because the word of mouth is, is, you know, it's the only distinguishing, you know, factor of when you're getting a job. If, if someone, you know, um, recommends you, that carries weight, then you're going to get the job. And I think that's key. And I think if someone has played for you for four years, you're going to go out on a limb for them, provided they've, you know, got the passion, got the work ethic and, you know, and, and brought it to the table for you every day. So I, I think that's important. But I couldn't speak highly enough about, you know, people coming to the States on a scholarship and, and trying to come over here and coach. I think it's a fantastic um, opportunity for, for a lot of young people. Um, even if it's going to cost you some money to do it, I think, you know, it's, it's definitely worth doing. For sure. Sully, um, what sort of, you know, obviously on the weekends and stuff, everyone's bit, you're busy coaching and that. If you're sitting down, you, you, you still follow the League of Ireland, Premier League, Women's Professional League. Like, what, are, what, sort, of, what sort of leagues are you watching or, or where are you looking these days at football? Well, I'm a I'm a I'm a disgruntled Man United fan, so I watched we the first are. half. I, I watched the first half today, and then had to head off. I had two games to coach this afternoon, um, because um, I'm running a club now, and and it's 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 something I would never have done, you know, ten years ago. But now that I have two kids, and I can you know can deal with the madness a bit more, and um, but I'm I'm you know able to deal with the drama of you know, you know, uh, having kids in a club and, and, and some of the, the, the parental questions you might, might, might get on a weekly basis. But um, outside of Man United, which is, you know, takes you from the highs of Leipzig to the lows of Arsenal. And okay. um, then, you know, uh, I also, I do watch, uh, I was a big man. I, I am a Man United fan, but they've really had a rough year this year. And that was something, you know, living in Atlanta and I could walk to the, you know, the Marta and, and 15 minutes, I'm down at the stadium. I've seen them tickets. That was a phenomenal experience for, 
for the soccer community here in Atlanta, you know, 70,000 people at a game and it was just, just fantastic. Uh, COVID really has, has cut into that and the team is struggling this year. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're really, um, I think they're going to just kind of hit the reset button for next year. Um, but, you know, they got so successful so quickly um, we were all just, you know, loving life as a, an Atlanta soccer fan and really enjoying that. Um, outside of that, I mean, um, Man United, uh, I do watch the NWSL. I, I try to, you, know, you mentioned earlier about some of the best players and stuff. Paul Riley, who's at uh, Courage in North Carolina, good friend of mine. And, and he, was, uh, he was the expansion coach at Philadelphia when I was at Atlanta. And a uh, super good coach. I mean, he's he's won national, you know, he's won the league yeah. multiple times now, and fantastic lad, great guy. Except uh, Liverpool fans. So <laughs> from that point of view, it's tough to you know you know to give him too many accolades because he's a big scouser. <laughs> That's for sure. So Sully, Irish last one for me. Um, you know, Irish soccer has changed over the years, and I, and I think you had a brief stint with Sligo Rovers as well in the League of Ireland. You know, are, are you following mm-hmm. Irish soccer at home? Obviously, we have a new manager now in Stephen Kenny. The, the, the youth national leagues are, are thriving at 13s and 15s, and I think uh, 17s, 19s are all coming in now. Um, you know, how, how, how closely would you follow soccer back at home and the national Yeah, um, I keep up with Sligo Rovers, to be honest, just, you know, having, having played there in 96, 97, um, having that connection with, with those guys. Um, Course. You know, and I know it's tough at home. I mean, they were doing a GoFundMe about two months ago, trying to, you know, trying to raise money just to, to stay operational. Um, um, obviously watched them dock the other day against uh, against Arsenal. Um, but I do feel like um, the the League of Ireland is on the way up. I, I think they're producing better footballers now. I remember when I played. I mean, you know, obviously weather's not kindest, but you know. We were, we were, there was a lot of long balls played, let's be honest about it. And obviously, Stephen Kenny now is trying to, to play football the right way or, you know, potentially the Barcelona way. Do we have the personnel on the national team to do that? I don't know. Um, but he's definitely trying to do things the right way and play some football. And, and, and certainly, we're, we're going to try and outpossess teams. Um, so I think that's exciting. I think if the FAI sticks with him, um, I think, you know, he's going to need about 12 months to get get his, his vision into that squad. And I think he's probably going to have to start bringing in younger and younger players. Um, I think the quality is there. Um, it's just a matter of giving them a chance. I'd nearly prefer they just, you know, wrote off some of the older lads and just went straight in and, you know, brought in all the young lads and said, look, we're going we're gonna to blood these guys and, and, and this is our, our policy for the next 12 months. You know? um, but I definitely think that the, the football in Ireland is the future does look bright based on the underage setup and, and some of the results you're seeing. Yeah, no, it's the, the future's the future's bright. Well, Sully, thank you very much for your time. Um, we wish you all the best with uh, Tucker Youth Soccer there in Atlanta, TYSA, and uh, all your endeavours within the game. And we wish uh, we wish you and your family uh, nothing but the best during these COVID times as well. And stay safe. All right, mate. Thank you, Ender. Thank you, Dara. Uh, delighted to have been on, lads. And uh, thanks for having me. And Hopefully, uh, hopefully, Man United can turn things around. That's hopefully. it, Sully. Keep the are you are you are you a pot in or pot or, or Ole in? Uh, keep Ollie for a while, Sully. Let's keep Ollie for a while. All right, we'll 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 see. <laughs> All the Cheers. best. Thanks, Sully. Thanks, All guys. Right.